Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Vineyard. So good to have you. If you are the ushers, just come on, right on back. Seth, you can put that slot. There we go. Every single month we receive a special offering called the least of these. 100% of this goes just to help uh, the poor and the needy in Campbellsville. We get requests of all kinds every single day. And this, this is what it's for. Go ahead and pass those baskets. We don't have to wait. Go ahead and do that. Um, yeah, this is an important thing. So thank you for being generous in this way. You guys always are. Thank you. Uh, Lord, bless it. Bless it, bless it. And while they're receiving that offering, uh, I want to give you a, a, a leg up on what we're going to start next week here at the Vineyard. Uh, next week, we're going to start a brand new series uh, here at the Vineyard. And the series is going to be about, it's going to be about decision making and it's going to be about discernment. Like, how do you make decisions? And how do you know it's a good decision? And how do, you, how do you move past like God told me or, or, or something that feels very esoteric? Uh, not that we don't want God to speak to us. Clearly we do and we think that he does. But how do you move past maybe just like flipping through your Bible, finding a verse that kind of makes you feel good and going, that's my answer, right? Uh, how do we move past uh, just doing what feels good in the moment? Or how do we move past this idea? Uh, I, I, just, I just go wherever I have peace. Uh, I, I want to tell you, you can make some terrible decisions going where you have peace, right? Uh, and if you want to get a leg up, there's a little book. It's been very helpful. I read this about five years ago. A very little book called What's Your Decision? What's Your Decision? Very simple book. Uh, Emily and I are going to walk through this, and we're going to share some other stuff. We'll probably share some Wesleyan stuff with you guys as well. But we just want to spend about four weeks going... How in the world do you even make a decision? Well, wouldn't that be decent stuff to know? So that's what we're going to do next week. Uh, that should make you wonder this. Well, what are we doing this week, right? What are we doing this week? Well, here's what I want to do this morning. I just want to talk to you about Vineyard Values for a moment. Uh, that's what we're going to do this week. Some of you are like, Who's, who is that man on the screen? I'm glad you asked. Uh, that, that man on the screen is John Wimber. Uh, John Wimber was uh, one of the original founding members of the vineyard. Uh, he and a handful of others in Southern California started the vineyard in the late 70s. And so much of who we are is because of John Wimber. So you're going to see uh, that slide a lot this morning. I just thought, if we're going to talk about vineyard values, I got to put a Wimber slide up, you know, got to give honor where it's due. But um, what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you about some of our vineyard values here at this church especially since we're going to have newcomers lunch later, and, and that's usually something we talk about. Um, so as I move into that this morning, uh, here's what I want to tell you. Some of what I'm about to share this morning are things that many people in this room already know, and it'll be reviewed, right? Uh, but it's going to be brand new for a lot of people here because especially since the pandemic and since our church has kind of come back together, we're a brand new church. This is different. The church is different now than it was. And a lot of you are brand new and you're here and you kind of like it and you're looking for a life with God and you're looking for a people 
uh, to travel that journey of God along with. But you might be wondering, who, who am I sitting in the pews with and what is it that makes this place what it is? And so what I want to do this morning is I want to share uh, maybe, maybe six of our vineyard values that have given formation to this church. Now, one of the reasons why I'd want to do this uh, as well, not just for the new people, but for the people who've maybe heard this a time or two. I, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but it's very important to always retell your story. Like retelling your story is really, really important. I mean, there's a reason why in the church we celebrate Christmas every year. And how many of you know the Christmas story? Like you could, you could just get up and tell it, right? Right. Uh, how many of you know it's really important that in the church we tell the Easter story every year, right? There are certain things that you have to keep sharing. Uh, and this is also important for your family and it's important for your individual life too. Uh, as, a, as people, you have a story. As a family, you have a story. Then as a church family, we have a story. And the reason you have to keep retelling the story is this. If you don't tell the story, you forget the story. And if you don't uh, tell the story, then you don't have a story that you live inside of. And if there's no... If there's no orienting narrative for your life, uh, if, there's no, if there's no arc, if there's no story arc for your life, it will be replaced by the culture and you don't have to ask for it. It will be given to you. Like the stories will be given to you. So here at the Vineyard, what we want to do is we want to actually retell our story pretty often. So here's what I want to do this morning. Six Vineyard values. And all of these are things that we noticed were with us here at this local vineyard from the beginning. So Seth, next slide. Uh, presence of God, like our, our, our value here uh, for uh, the person and presence of God. This is one of our main, main values here at the vineyard. And here's what I mean when we talk about the presence of God. I'm talking about more than the theological notion that God is everywhere all the time. Like we believe that, but like, who cares if you believe it if you don't experience it? What's the point of a belief you don't experience? Uh, here's, here's what we mean at the vineyard when we talk about the presence of God or even our inclination that we'd want to experience God. Here's what we mean. And we sang it this morning, and I didn't even tell the worship team about this, and I was so glad we sang it. Uh, one of the themes that ran through every song we sang this morning was God is with us. So when we talk about the presence of God, what we're talking about here at this church is, is, this, is this reality, and it was with us from the very beginning, it's, it's, this, it's this waking up to the fact that God is with us, uh, that God is not in the other room. Have you ever been to a church service where everybody talked about God, but it felt like he was in the other room? It's like, that's weird. No, that's not what we want to do at the vineyard. We want to encounter God uh, with, with an awakening in our hearts and minds that he's, he's with us here in the room when we get together. Seth, maybe we can put up this one scripture from Matthew chapter 18. This is what Jesus said. He said, if a couple of you get together as my followers, I'm there among them. How many of you know we got like over a couple hundred of us here in the first service and there'll be this many more that'll show up in second service. And, and how many of you know we can point to this and go, Jesus, you said so. Now, we believe it. Like when we get together, like we're here because like Jesus pulled us together. That's, you don't get this group any other way. We're very strange. Like, you won't even find a football game where this group of really strange people would come, you know? You get different people at football games, but at church, you get something very, very different, right? 
And Jesus said, if you come together as my followers, I'm there among them. That's what he promised. And so when we talk about the presence of God here on a Sunday morning, we mean a few particular things. And I just want to say three things here. Here's what we mean when we talk about the presence of God. Number one, we mean that our gathering space is a place to wake up to this reality. It's like, what is Sunday morning for? It's like a, it's an hour where we wake up to the fact that God is with us. Like God is here. God is with us. Or to put it another way, uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a moment for us to wake up to reality. And you might be thinking, well, what is reality? Here's reality as I understand it. Uh, that there is a God, that I am not him, and he is with us. And that's what church is about. Like number one, it's about waking up to reality. He's with us. He said so. Number two, um, when we talk about the presence of God here at the vineyard, we mean this. Church is a place to experience God. It's not just that there is a God. It's not just that I'm not him and you're not him. It's not just that he's here with us. But if he's here with us, then, then by, by extension, we could experience him. So what our hope would be is that every single Sunday when you come here, you could have some kind of an experience with God. He's here. He said so, Matthew chapter 18. And we'd want to experience the resurrected Lord. Like he is among us. Um, we, we, and here's what we mean when we say we want to experience him. Uh, we want to hear from God. Like, why would you want to come to church? Here's a reason. So you could hear from God. Uh, number two, so you could feel his love. Like, this is why you'd want to come to church. And this is, this is our hope at the Vineyard, that every single time you come to church, you'd feel the love of God. That it wouldn't just be an idea in your head, but you could feel it in your heart and in your body. How many of you, during worship this morning, you felt the love of God? Like, when, when Kelly was singing... Whatever that song was, I could feel the love of God. And when we prayed together this morning, when we prayed the Lord's Prayer, I don't know why, but like when, when we prayed that part about give us our daily bread, man, I felt the presence of Jesus. I felt the presence of Jesus. And I wasn't just like his, his presence, but I felt his love for me while we prayed that together. Like, Man, we got all kinds of stuff in the room. We probably got some people here who have all kinds of money and all their daily needs are met. And we probably have some people here wondering, how am I going to make it this week? And you know what? Jesus wants to give you daily bread. But, so, so we want to encounter him. We want to experience him. We want to hear from him. We want to feel his love. Uh, this is what it also means to experience God, to receive direction and encouragement. Like, why would you want to come to church? So you'd know what to do with your life and where to go and how to be. And so you could like not be a depressed person all the time, but somebody could come up to you and you'd hear something from God and you'd experience his love and you, you wouldn't have to live in a hopeless place. That's, that's what we hope for. That's what's in God's presence. But then number three, number three, uh, this place is a place to honor, bless and minister to God. That's part of what this means when we talk about the presence of God. Like he's here, that's reality. I, I'm here to experience him, but I'm not just here to experience him. Like if he's in the room, he's gotta be more than like a heavenly vending machine, right? Like I push the button, something good comes out. Push the button, something. But no, he's a person, he's a person. And, and how many of you know that you don't, you don't treat a real person like just give me something? Like give me something. Like eventually that would, that's not a relationship. That's something that's weird. It's, it's just weird. Like you wouldn't do that to anybody. And so part of what we're saying when we talk about 
we value the presence of God here at the vineyard is we're waking up to reality. We want to experience and we want to feel his love, receive encouragement and direction. But we also want to become the kind of people who are like, wait a minute, I have something to give to you that only I can give to you. And that's what it means here at the vineyard. Our number one value is the presence of God. Number two, worship. By the way, these things overlap, don't they? Like if you're waking up to God, if you're waking up to God, then you're waking up to worship. And, and from the very beginning here at the vineyard, like when this church was just a gathering in a living room, the very first thing we knew to do was worship. Seth, you can keep up with me, dog. Look at that. I, I, I didn't do these slides for nothing. They will be seen. Uh, from the beginning, uh, the vineyard has always been a worshiping people. And, and there's all kinds of forms of worship. But, but man, we've just, we've just been a singing people. Like we used to meet in a little house in a little living room, and even when we didn't have anything, not even talent. We have talent now. We used to have no talent. And when we had no talent, it's actually true. Ray Ray, you have gifts. You have healing gifts. But even when we were not good, we were singing people. Like, it's, it's who we are. It's who we are. Like, we, we're, we're, we're just worship people. And you can, you can see that it flows out of our love for the presence of God, you know? Our gatherings, they're a place to honor and bless and to minister to God. One of the things that John Wimber used to say is, when's God going to get what he deserves at church? Like, he, this was always a Wimber thing. Like, like, when we show up to church, like, God has a heart for us, but... Man, do we have a heart for God? Like there's this space that, 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 that church provides where, where we give him the thing that only we can give him, you know? And it has to do with worship. And I just want to say a couple of things about worship. Like worship orients us. Like why do we do it every single week? Why do we sing? Why do we listen to the scriptures? Why do we pray together, receive the word and make space for people to be prayed for? Well, here's why. Because because worship orients us. It's, it's our true north. And if we lose this, I, I just want to say you kind of lose everything. If you lose worship, if you lose it, you just kind of lose everything. And, and here's why. Because worship is building off of the bedrock of reality. We, a minute ago, we talked about reality. And reality is that there is a God and I'm not him. Like that's, that's the beginning of mental health. Ray Hollenbach used to say that all the time. And it's actually very true. The beginning of mental health is to enter into reality. And reality at its most basic form is this. There is a God, I am not him. But then it goes a little further. The God that is, is good. And the life I have came from him. Uh, James says every good and perfect gift comes from the father of lights. Like if there's anything good in your life, it came from God. There is a God, I'm not him. He's a God of goodness. He's a father to the orphan. He, he is kind to people who cared not about him. Uh, to the very people who crucified him, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Like God is a good God. And so like this calls out worship. 
Like, and if we lose worship, what we're losing contact with is we're not just losing contact with Jesus or the church or a Christian story. We're losing contact with reality. And it will be replaced by something. So there is a God. I'm not him. He's the creator. I'm the creature. He gave me life and he gave me purpose. Goodness flows from him. And so our natural response to that reality should be worship. Uh, To not respond is to signal that I'm missing something and I'm not quite connected to reality. I just want to read you two verses out of Psalm 100. It says this, shout with joy to the Lord. Who? All the earth. This is is for everybody. It's not just for Christians. It's for everybody. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with with, uh, singing with joy. Verse two, three. I don't know what I'm... Look, but look here, why would you do any of that? It's exactly what I just told you a moment ago. Acknowledge that the Lord is God, what? He made us and we're his. We're his people, the sheep of his pasture. Everything I just told you about reality is in three verses there in Psalm 100. There is a God, I'm not him. He is good, he's given me life, I belong to him. And when we wake up to that, that's part of what the presence of God is, the natural response should be, worship. And, and it should be worship every single time. Like, uh, if I feel it, great. If I don't, who cares? Fake it till you make it. You know? Sometimes, 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 if you just do the right things, you'll feel the right things. Uh, by the way, that, that's 100% true in marriage. Just, just do the right things. The feelings will come later. Wash the dishes. Happy wife, happy life. Uh, Number three. Thank you, Seth. Community. And are you noticing that the colors are changing? I hope you are. Because I did that. Nobody helped me. Our our, our third value here at the Vineyard is community. Uh, This has to do with just our hope. And... um, our goal that, that, we, that we would do this thing called being a Christian together. In fact, we're, we're convinced at the vineyard that you can't do it unless you have some other people. You, you just can't, it can't be done alone. And when we talk about community here, uh, it's just something that was with us from the very beginning. So when this church was born in Dick and Diana Salmon's house on Lone Valley Road, I mean, when we didn't have a thing, we had each other. There was like a, there was a group of people there. That when this church started, there was about 40 people. And I, you know, I don't know how, but like when, when God begins to move, he draws people together. And, and it's been true ever since. There's been these tight little groups of, of friends and community. And, and, and if you get in here at the vineyard, and sometimes it takes a while, that's okay too. But when you get in here at the vineyard, one of the things you're going to find, you're going to find there's like these little friend things that are happening all the time, you know? And that's the point. Like shared life is the point. Uh, And and here's what I would like to say just pastorally, if I can put like a, a note on that. Like just coming to church on Sunday ain't it. Like I'm glad you're here. Please come back. It's the beginning. But but there's something more. There's something richer. And so when we're talking about community here at the Vineyard, I mean, we're talking, again, we're, we're, we're pulling things that are out of, 
out of the foundations of reality. Like, why would we want community? Because God is a community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, perfect, loving community in and of themselves. So everything that happens in the world is flowing out of this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit reality. Like, everything that's been made was born in community. The idea of creation, the idea of the universe, the idea of you was an idea that was born in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you and I cannot live our best lives. We cannot be healthy and we cannot mature as Christians without other people. We want to do this thing. It has to be shared life. There's a, there's a scripture in the Psalms. It's Psalm 133. I love this. It says, how wonderful and pleasant it is when the brothers, and we might say today, and the sisters uh, live together in harmony. For harmony, when everybody's together, is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. This is a very strange scripture, but it's, it's hearkening back to something that happened even earlier in the Old Testament when Aaron, who was a priest to the Lord, and his little family line who became the Levites, when they were set apart for the service of worshiping God, when they were set apart for the service of worshiping God, they were anointed with oil. That's what you do in the Old Testament. And the oil was a sign of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know when you get oil on you, you, you can't get it off, right? It's part of the point. That was the sign, right? Like, what, what they were saying is, Aaron, we want you to lead us in worship, you and your family line. We want you to lead us in worship, and we want to anoint you with oil, which is to say you'll be, you'll be in, imbued with the Holy Spirit. You, you can't get it off. And, and it's interesting to me that the psalmist is saying that when, when people live together in harmony, it's like, Aaron, it's like Aaron who's set aside for worship, and it's the oil that was on him. It, it runs it runs down his head, gets on his beard, goes out to the edges of his clothes. And then it keeps on, which we well, won't go there. But part of the symbol here is that it, that it's, it, it covers his whole body. And, and here's what that means. It means it's for everyone. So there's something about this shared life. There's something about a shared life. Living in community, uh, having harmony, having people who are with you on the journey. That's like being anointed with the Holy Spirit. Like some of us here would like to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. Let me just tell you, you can't do it alone. The anointing of the Spirit comes in community. Uh, we, we read Acts chapter 2 last week. Did you notice that the Holy Spirit didn't come on a person? It came on a people? Psalm 133. Like This is why here at the Vineyard, friendships are really important. They're so spiritual. You need friends and you need spiritual friends. You need people who are saying, you know what? Let's be Christians together. So community is in God. It's, it's what God anoints with his Holy Spirit. It's what he anoints. But then also community is our future. And I don't have the scripture up this morning, but I'll just reference it for you. Like Revelation says, there is a day when heaven and earth are going to come together and what? Every tribe, what? Every tongue, every nation. It's another picture of community. Like, like we have to figure out how to work it out right now. Because, because the future is, the eschaton is, you're going to sit at a table with everybody. It's also why we'd want to pray the Lord's Prayer every Sunday and pray that we could forgive people and that we'd be forgiven. Because the future is, you're going to sit at a table with everybody, even the people that you didn't know that you were going to be sitting there with. You might want to work it out now. 
community. It's one of our values here. Like, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, maybe you're here at the vineyard and you haven't quite found your community yet. Well, I just want to say two things to you real quick. Number one, uh, anything, anything good usually takes a while. So just like, even if it takes you a year and a half to find your people inside the church, that's fine. Let it take that while. Well, here's the other thing I'd like to say to you. Uh, number, no, number two, number two, uh, if, if you don't feel like you have your like little circle here, well then look around the room, find another person or two who doesn't have their circle and make yourself a new circle. That's what you do. That's how you do it. Uh, number next. Thank you, Seth. Radical generosity. I got to pick up the pace. Pick up the pace. Radical generosity. Uh, this, is, this is one of the things that we're committed to here at the Vineyard. Seth, if you can put the scripture up from John chapter 3, verse 16. Most famous scripture in the whole Bible, right? For this is how God loved the world. How did God love the world? He gave his one and only son so that everybody who believes wouldn't perish, but they'd have eternal life. Like, like the heart of the gospel is giving. That's the center of the gospel. The center of the gospel is generosity. And, and from the beginning here at the vineyard, I remember sitting in a meeting with a few leaders and, and, and the discussion of generosity came up and somebody at the table said, well, if we ever have to choose between being wise or being generous, let's be generous. Now, the truth is, there's not really a dichotomy between wisdom and generosity. But one of the things that we've noticed uh, over, over our years here at the Vineyard is, oftentimes, oftentimes stinginess masquerades as wisdom. Oh, we'll hold back. Why? Because, oh, it's wise. You know, we'll just, we'll just keep, keep a little more in the bank because that's wise. We won't give to that or that person or that ministry because, well, we need to make sure our nest egg is here or, or whatever. And we just don't want to be that kind of people here at the Vineyard. We think that kind of is not fun and we don't think it reflects God. And, you know, when the world was in its worst condition, God gave everything that he had. And that's what we want to live into here at the Vineyard. And this, of course, has to do with money. But it doesn't just have to do with money. It has to do with everything. Like here at the Vineyard, we want to be generous in the way that Jesus is, which means giving our lives. Not like The first step is learning how to give your money. But what you really got to give in the end is you got to give your life. And by the way, here's what I want you to know. Everyone in the room, you're going to give your life to something. Uh, and at the end, everyone's going to give their life up to death. Like, you're going to die. You're going to die. Everyone here is going to die. Everyone here is terminal. You're not going to make it out alive. And so you might want to ask, what do you want to give your life to? Do you want it to matter? Do you want it to matter at all? Dude, you got to do some John 3.16 stuff, which means living into radical generosity. It has more to do than just money. We want to give our lives. We want to serve. Uh, we want to help. Uh, we want to bless our community. And by the way, we don't want to just, here at the Vineyard, we don't want to just, just serve the church, uh, but we want to bless Campbellsville. Like part of our posture toward our city has to do with radical generosity. And that has to do with blessing our town and our region because, the, because it's what God does. Like this, you want to have a life that matters? Begin to serve here. And then begin to look in the city and go, what isn't making it? 
do something. Do anything. That is the posture we want to have. Let me just spell it out here for a few minutes. Uh, we want to coach youth sports. We have so many coaches here in the room. Can I say something? We want more coaches for youth sports, and it actually has to do with radical generosity. Here's why. Because we want to connect with our community. We want to find little kids who don't have anybody, and we want them to have a great coach who loves Jesus and who will encourage them and teach them the sport. But here's the other thing we want. We want the parents because the parents are jacked up. And here's how, here's how I know that, because I am a parent and I am jacked up. But radical generosity has to do with all kinds of stuff. It has to do with, with even things like being, being a coach. And you might be thinking, well, I don't have time to give 12 weeks up because I'm an important person. Dude. Part of radical generosity is saying, you know what? I'm going to ruin my life for 12 weeks. I'm, I'm not going to get to stay home early and drink coffee with, with my wife on the front porch. We're going to get up and we're going to go do the soccer thing. You know, what is that? It's radical generosity. That's what it is. Oh, and here's, here's what it also means for us. We want to give to the needy. We just took up our least of these funds. We want to support the least of these funds. Uh, we want to give to the resource centers at both of the local schools. That's why we receive an offering once or twice a year for that. Because those people are meeting people at the very bottom who have nothing else. We want to give to it. Why? Because God gives to the world. That's why. Radical generosity. We want to support church planters. We want to pray for the hurting. We want to give. And we want to move, the, we want to move against the grain of our culture, which is all about acquisition and consumption. That's what we really want to do. In the end, in the end, I want to be the kind of person who is not living in the story of our wider culture. I do not want to live running with the grain of our current culture. I want to go against it. Even if I get a splinter or two, I want to go against it. How do we do that? Oh man, we got to do this. We got to do some Jesus stuff. You know, we got to give our whole life to the world. Whole life to the world. And that can start here. Like God's heart is about giving. Number next. Uh, the gospel of the kingdom. We have a value for the gospel of the kingdom here. Seth, can we put up the scripture from Mark? This is the words of Jesus when he begins his ministry. He says, the time promised by God has come at last. It's time. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Uh, Jesus had one message in the Gospels, and we have one message here, and it's the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's the good news, that's what gospel means, about God's rule and reign. That's what kingdom means. It's the good news of God's rule and reign. And, and I'm being a bit precise here, because in the American South, the gospel of the kingdom of God has mostly been shortened to the gospel, and, and by that, what we mostly mean is get saved and don't go to hell. Let me tell you something about get saved and don't go to hell. Uh, it's kind of true, but it's not the whole truth. In fact, it might only be one half percent of, of whatever the thing is. Like get saved and don't go to hell is maybe a half. Of, I don't even know if it's a half a percent, like honestly. And for many of us in the room, depending on our background, it may be the only thing you've ever heard in relation to the gospel. It's like somebody gets up and yells and it's like every eye closed, every head bow. I see that hand. 
And, and we, we do that thing. And here's what I would like to say. I recommend not going to hell. <clears throat> I recommend not going to hell. But, but the gospel of God's kingdom is so much bigger. It's so much bigger. Like if you wanted to do one fun little thing today, just read Mark chapter one. Because in Mark chapter one, you begin to see a doorway into what the gospel is. Let me just review it for you. Jesus says, the time has come the kingdom of God is near. Believe, repent, change your mind. Repent means just change your mind. It doesn't even mean like feel bad. It means change the way you've been thinking and believe the good news. And when Jesus says change the way you've been thinking, he principally means in this verse two things. He, he means change the way you've been thinking about when God's kingdom is. Look, when is it? It's now. It's not later. It's now. And he, and he says this, uh, change, change your mind about where you think God's kingdom is. It's, it's here. It's not somewhere else and it's not later. It's actually here and it's now. And then if you read the rest of, God, of the gospel of Mark chapter one, here's what you find out. The very next thing that Jesus does is he invites disciples to be his followers. God's kingdom is about finding a new family. It's about finding new friendships and it's about coming under the lordship of Jesus. Like the good news of the gospel is not just something you believe. It is something that you enter into with other people and you begin to do the things that Jesus does. The next thing that Jesus does is he, is he kicks a, a, a devil out of a guy who is a, oppressed. And when Jesus kicked a demon out of a guy who was oppressed, it was the gospel of the kingdom. It was the gospel good news coming to someone who was hurting. Jesus shows up and this guy's like, what are you doing? And Jesus is like, get out of that guy and leave him alone. And then the next thing that happens is Jesus heals a bunch of people who were sick, principally Simon Peter's mother-in-law who had a fever. And when Jesus healed the sick, it was the gospel. The gospel is not just a message, it's a demonstration. It is, it is a superior kingdom beginning to come and displace every other kingdom. And then after Jesus raises up Simon Peter's mother-in-law, Jesus meets a leprous man and the leprous man says, I know you could help me. I'm not sure if you're willing. And Jesus touches him, breaks every rule and he heals the man. That was the gospel of the kingdom. That was it. That people who were far off are being brought near. People who have no one are finding a purpose. People who have no family are finding a new community. People who have done their own thing are beginning to listen to Jesus because he knows the right thing. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And if you're sick, there's hope for you. And if you're, if you're outcast, there's hope for you. If you have social leprosy, there is hope for you. If you've been ostracized, if you've been marginalized, there is a place for you. There is a person for you. His name is Jesus. That's the gospel. Anything less than that is counterfeit. Anything less than that is garbage. Do not believe it. And at the vineyard, we're committed to that. We're committed to that. The gospel of get saved and don't go to hell when you die. I am so thoroughly uncommitted to that. You have no idea. Because why? Because we can just delay. We can delay. Like, like if it's just me saying something with my mouth and then, and then living like hell for the rest of my life and, and, and never really touching my community. What is the point of that? What is the point of that? The gospel is that heaven is beginning to overlap with the earth now, not later. How many of you know that hell and heaven are like tomorrow? How many of you know that hell isn't just an ultimate destination? You might be living in it now. And you know what? How many of you know that, that some of you grew up in homes where hell wasn't something that happened later? 
It was now. And you don't need Jesus to save you later. You need it now. And how many of you know that you don't want to perpetuate that unto your own kids? And if you're not going to do that, you need, you need the gospel of the good news of God's rule and reign to break in now. You need to start listening to a new person. His name is Jesus now. How many of you know, right? That's what we're about here at the Vineyard. And I guess and some of us are like, bro, don't even get me started. I haven't even preached yet. I haven't even preached yet. It's the reorientation of everything for everyone. I mean, including me. And this is why I've been saved like 187,000 times. You don't get saved once. You get saved like a million times. You really do. You know, you think you're saved and you're like, wow, there's a part of me that's still just living, thinking that God's somewhere else and he'll do something for me some other time. Or there's, there's a part of me that still isn't listening to Jesus. Okay, I, I gotta keep going. Wow, I, I just wanna preach more of that. And by the way, when we talk about the gospel of the kingdom, it takes a while to get it. It takes a while to get it. I'm telling you, if you grew up in the South, it'll take you about a decade to get it because we've received so much of the, listen, so many of us have been given basically a vaccine. We've been given just enough of the gospel to be resistant to the real thing. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you've been given a small little bit of the gospel and you're resistant to the real thing. And we, listen, goodness gracious. I mean, there's some people who have lived 30 and 40 years as Christians and still don't, still don't know that God loves them, like, like actually loves them, that you couldn't, like if you change a lot, he won't love you more. And if you never change at all, he won't love you less. Like they're, they're, it, we just haven't got it yet. Or, or that there's, that there's something, something that he wants to lead. He wants to teach you to do things you never knew you could do. He wants to lead you. That's the gospel of the, of the kingdom. Okay, so let's keep going. Equipping the saints. This is our last value here at the vineyard. Uh, and I realized of all the things, this is the one that sounds really frou-frou. We equip the saints. Like we don't even, we never talk. We gotta get at something different, Eric. I, we don't talk like this. But the reason, the reason we, we call this equipping the saints is because there's this scripture. <laughs> uh, in Ephesians chapter four, and uh, I just want to read you a couple of verses. Paul says this. He says, uh, there's these gifts that Jesus gave to the church. The gifts are what? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Notice that the, the gifts are people. And look, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Uh, here's, what we th here's what we think church is about. Church is the place where all of us come to be equipped to do the work of ministry. And if you know, and if you noticed in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12, that, that apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, their job is not to apostle, prophet, pastor, teach, and evangelize. Their job is to equip the people of God, the body of Christ, to do all of those things. So my job is not to pastor the church. My job is to equip people to do the work of ministry. Uh, and, and in the American church, what we do is we like professionalize things. And so, you know, uh, your job is to sit and listen. My job is to 
like say something inspirational and then hopefully you give some money so we can keep the lights on and then you go home and then hopefully I do everything all week and then it, and that's not the way it works. I mean, it's literally not the way, it cannot work that way. Uh, one of the things we've been talking about at our staff here lately is we've been talking about, we've really been digging into this idea of like pastoring people. And part of what we've been talking about on our staff is who is God giving me right now? Like, and here's what we notice. And this is just something I've noticed for a really long time. God is usually giving me three or four people at a time to pastor at this church. Now, right now, right now, there's almost 400 people on a Sunday coming to the vineyard. And I, I have capacity to actually pastor about three. You tell me what happens to the rest of them. Right? And it's the same is true for other people on our staff. So what, what, is, what, is, what is the only way this works? The only way it works is all, if all of us begin to be equipped to do the work of ministry. All, all of it. All of it. Uh, we want to equip people here at the vineyard to pray for the sick. We want to equip people here to give prophetic words of encouragement. We want to equip people here to serve, to make coffee, to teach little children. Uh, we want to equip people here at the vineyard to do the work of uh, going to visit uh, somebody else here at the vineyard who's in the hospital that you know about. Uh, we want to equip people here to, to give and to, and to ask the right questions why? Because, because that's what builds up the church. That's what builds up the church. And until everybody in the room finds their spot, we'll be that much weaker. That's what Paul says. Like the strong church is the one where everybody finds their place. Everybody finds their place. And in certain seasons here at the Vineyard, we do better than others. But, but I, I want to say something else about that. Like it's, it's why here at the Vineyard, I will not preach every Sunday. Somebody a few years ago got upset about that. They were like, well, I don't want to come here when you're not preaching. I'm like, it's probably not the right church for you. Like, you could just leave forever. Like, you know? And here's why. Here's why. Because that's not equipping people to do the work of ministry. Like, one of the reasons you've seen Emily and you're going to see her more is because we're going to equip people to do the work of ministry. She's called to preach. And here's the other part. If I got hit by a bus tomorrow, Emily could step in and start preaching. This church would It'd go on. We'd be fine. We're going to continue to raise up people to preach. We're going to continue to raise up people who lead worship. We're going to continue to raise up people who pray for the sick. We're going to continue to raise up people who lead home groups and reach out because that's the way it works. Everybody here has a role. Everyone here has a role. Some of us have roles that are visible. Some are invisible. That's what Paul talks about in Romans and 1 Corinthians. Some things you see, some things you don't takes all of us. Okay, I have said a lot. Lord Jesus, does that make any sense? That, this is who we are. This is who we are. That, that should have been six different sermons. Man, I really, want to, I really want to preach that gospel of the kingdom thing again. I'm going to have to soon. I, I can tell, man, like we got to kick that stuff out of here. I'm 50. Y'all remember that? I just, I just got that in my head. I totally forgot about it. I'm 50. I have tight hamstrings. <laughs> uh, if, you're on the, if, if you're on the worship team, come on up. Um, man. Oh, the love of the Lord is here. 
The love of the Lord is here. Oh my goodness, what a good thing. Mm. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.